Uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Nehemiah. We'll, we'll continue Nehemiah. For me, we're finishing Nehemiah, but as I said, um, he'll get to do the, the after-the-fact kind of last chapter next week. But we're going to be in chapter 11 and 12 this week in Nehemiah, uh, which is on page 406. If you want to follow along in the Black Bibles, page 406. We've been calling the series Repairing the Ruins, and what we've tried to, to see is the similarity of how Nehemiah is in a similar situation to us. Regardless of all the cultural differences and the difference in time, there is a sameness, and that sameness is he is worshiping the same God who we worship, the Creator who's made all things, who graciously calls a people to himself, who saves us, who redeems us, and they are, in Nehemiah's day, building a place where God's name would be honored. And today, we are a people called by God to build a place where God's name would be honored. So there's some similarities there. We've had a lot to learn. This week we're calling it missional joy. Missional joy. Uh, And we'll get to end our day with something really exciting. We're going to take a survey today. And the sermon is, yeah, I know those of you that are like data people, it's going to be really exciting. Um, Those of you that can't sit still for more than 10 minutes, it's going to be very difficult. Um, But we're going to play some soft music in the background or something. So it'll be okay. Uh, but we are. We're going to take a survey at the end of today, um, but we're not going to get into that yet. Missional joy. We're going to look at chapter 11, and what I want to do is I want to kind of jump through and just give you some of the highlights here. Um, so I'm going to read the first couple of verses, 11, and I'm going to skip into chapter 12. Uh, so the first couple of verses of chapter 11 first, as we look at them celebrating what God has accomplished, right? Missional joy means uh, there's this great joy in the mission that God has been helping them to carry out. We should have that same kind of joy is going to be the connection we'll see. But chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. So basically the suburbs around Jerusalem. Verse 2, And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. We'll skip now, chapter 12. Look at verse 40. Chapter 12, verse 40. Excuse me, verse, uh, yeah, verse 40. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God, and I and half of the officials with me. And then verse 43, we'll wrap up our little reading here, and then we'll look at some more details. Verse 43, and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Now you know where I got joy in the title, right? They rejoiced greatly at what God had done, and their rejoicing could be heard far away. Let me pray for us, and then we'll look at the text in more detail and try to get the kind of flow of the story. God, we pray that you would teach us this morning. We ask for you to help us to see uh, who you are and how you are at work both uh, thousands of years ago and today. We thank you that it pleases you to involve us in your business, and we pray that your spirit would meet us here this morning, that you would awaken our our hearts and our minds in the knowledge of the salvation and the the grace that we have in Jesus, so that we would be able to listen to your voice and obey what you say. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this has been a big weekend for me and my family. Uh, My oldest daughter graduated from high school this weekend, yeah. Yeah, pretty exciting. Uh, my wife's been crying a lot. Uh, I've been just kind of staring off in the distance blankly, you know, kind of feeling weird. Uh, and 
the thing that's been interesting is the ceremony Friday night was just, it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, it was a gorgeous ceremony. It was just kind of like everything was perfect. Um, and I kept feeling like I should be sad, right? I kept feeling like I should be grieving. Um, and even after the ceremony, people kept walking up to me and going, are you okay? Right? They're like looking at me. And I started to feel this social pressure. I'm, I'm a very relational person, so I started to kind of feel the expectations from the people there. All our you know, friends and family, are, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, well, I think so. You know, I think I'm happy, but I started to feel guilty. You know, like maybe I should be sobbing more. And I just started to tell people, I'll, I'll be sobbing in my car later by myself. But for now, yes, I'm happy. I'm happy. And as I've reflected on it, I think I'm happy because it's a feeling of mission accomplished, right? I'm happy because she made it. I mean, we, we got her here. Um, and so it's really been mostly a sense of joy. And the, the text that we're looking at today is the people of God saying, we did it. We got there. And as I said, chapter 13, Philip's going to have some, some hard stuff to deal with where there's some problems, right? Doesn't mean we've arrived and we're in heaven when we've accomplished a mission. There are st- there's still going to be problems to come in life, right? But we should pause and celebrate and rejoice when God has accomplished things, when God has used us to accomplish what he's called us to accomplish. And that's what they're doing here. They're celebrating. We, we need to be a people that have a sense of joy when we've accomplished the missions that God has called us to accomplish. And, and that's exactly what's happening in the text today. They're saying, wow, God is good. We, we did it. We rebuilt Jerusalem. We rebuilt the temple. We're now celebrating God's goodness to us. And so I want to just kind of pick out a few things here in the passage that I think could be helpful for us as we seek to rejoice in God's mission in our lives, right? God has a mission for us, just like he had a mission to them. And as I've tried to to kind of highlight throughout Nehemiah, there are differences. There are definitely differences between the Old and New Testament. There are definitely differences in culture and in time, um, tribal differences, language differences. But there is a sameness in this God who is the God that created all things, who calls a special people apart for himself and says, walk with me and I'm going to use you to influence the nations for my glory. And that's what he's calling us to do, just like he's calling them to do that. So so we have to see these similarities. We have to see these beautiful things in the text. The first thing that, that I see that I wanted us to focus in on is there's a joy in moving. Moving. Physically moving. Living in a new place can actually be a part of God's mission in your life. And this is really important for us to learn in Colleen, Texas, because we, more than the average congregation, are in touch with moving. Most of us know what it means to move. God moves us. It's often not our choice, right? There's a mix here in the text of both their choices and not being their choice. So let's look again at 11, 1, uh, 2, 3. Uh, It says in verse 1, Back over in chapter 11. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, okay? So it starts with the leaders. The leaders had already moved there. So leaders move ahead. They're there. The mission is to rebuild the city. The leaders are there first, right? It makes obvious sense. It almost, almost doesn't need to be commented on. And the rest of the people, it says, cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. So in order for Jerusalem to be Jerusalem, some people needed to live there. They needed the city to be able to function. Most commentators believe that a lot of this was just for basic defense, but other issues would have been city services, right? For a city to operate, you need to have people that live there. 
uh, that bake bread and uh, you know repair things. And, you know, so, so just functionally, there needs to be a diversity of people, not just temple singers and uh, law teachers that are you know doing worship services at the temple. That can't be the only people that live there. It can't just be those kind of leaders. You need a whole diversity of people. We see that reflected in the New Testament where Paul says the church, God's people today, are many different people with different gifts and they all, as different parts, make up one body. And so we today are still a unified body as God's people employing our different gifts all coming together to accomplish the mission of God. It's not just the leaders that accomplish the mission of God. It's the people. So they needed people, a tithe of the people here, a tenth of the people that move in. They cast lots. Uh, I think I joked last week or the week before that casting lots is basically like when you put your name or your number on a ping pong ball and you put it in the machine and you crank the machine. Have y'all seen that before? And then you pull the ball out. So they had something different than that but similar in the sense that it's kind of like rolling the dice, right? They're they're basically um, leaving it up to chance, but anyone that believes in the God of the universe believes that he controls chance. Um, So they're just saying, we're not going to make the choice. We're going to give up that choice. Do it by lottery, um, cast lots, and that's what they did. And then in verse 2, look at this. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. And then it gives us a list of those very real people. We've seen many of these lists in Nehemiah, which we've uh, talked about, reflects that God cares about real people. Uh, God cares about history. The Bible is not a spiritual book that floats in space, but the Bible is a real book about things that God did in real space and time with real people like you and me. And we're still involved in that work, right? So for us to know God is not just to meditate and leave this world and clear our minds, but for us to know God is to be involved in what he's doing in real history, to actually obey him in our neighborhoods and in our offices and where he calls us to follow him. So God works through real people in real time. If you skip down uh, to verse 6, We get a little bit of the flavor of the kind of men that were there. It says in verse 6, all the sons of Perez who lived in Jerusalem were 468 valiant men. So they still needed a particular kind of people probably to help make Jerusalem work. They they probably needed a lot of warriors to pull this off. So uh, as I mentioned before, we would assume that they needed just everything, right? A diversity, but they also needed valiant men. And they mentioned that as well in the text. And then another highlight of that, is verse 14, and it says in verse 14, uh, and their brothers, mighty men of valor, 128. Um, And so again, we've got these mighty men, men of valor, valiant men. We've got some warriors here as well. Again, part of what they needed, we saw this several weeks ago, is they were both building and fighting. There were real enemies that wanted to kill them, and so they had armed men, valiant men, mighty men that were part of the mix as well. But beyond that, we see a diversity of people needed to move into the city to help accomplish the mission. Um, They started with the leaders, and then the rest of the people followed. What I want us to think about is, are we being called by God to move for the purposes of his mission? You might now be being called by God to move. Um, God helped my wife and I see some things over the years of, I think God's calling us to go and do this. I think God's calling us to go and do that. And there's been many of those points in our life where God moved us to a new place or to a new ministry. God may be calling you to a particular ministry, to join in a ministry, to be a part of what's God, what God is doing in a mission. I would pray that God would be calling you to be a part of the mission here, that you'd be moving in to what is happening here in this city. That's my heart, that you would commit, that you wouldn't just observe, 
what's happening here, but you would move into it. Now, a lot of times when we think about moving into a mission or a ministry, we think about moving to the far ends of the earth, right? I have a picture here of a jungle. I think this is a jungle in India. Um, We tend to rush in uh, the modern Christian West to think about missions, moving overseas. But God calls you to be a part of his mission wherever you live, and we need to be clear about that. Uh, You don't get to be a a consumer Christian unless you move to the other side of the world, and then you get to be a part of God's mission. God calls you to be on mission with him wherever you are. So let me backtrack and say, so, so what this looks like is God may be calling you to take scary steps of faith, to be entrepreneurial, to attach with a mission organization, and go to the other side of the world, right? He may be calling you to do that. That's very specific. That's very pointed. That's very distant. But he may just have moved you here to be a part of God's mission here. We need to be aware that either way, there's a joy in where God moves us because we know God's going to use us. So there's always a missional joy in God moving us where he moves us because God can use you anywhere. So you don't get to say, oh, well, I'm in clean, so this is a waste of time. I'm just going to count the minutes until I go somewhere that matters, right? No, here matters. Now matters. God has you here for a purpose. God wants to use you here. We need you here. We need you in your neighborhood. God wants to use you in your office. God wants to use you in whatever clubs you're a part of. God wants to use you in the gym that you go to. God wants to use you uh, at the school that your kids attend. God wants to use you now. He wants to use you here. So we often think about moving uh, and missional moving in this sense, but this is another maybe better picture of what it often looks like. That's just rows and rows of boring suburbs, okay? So I was trying to contrast there the jungle and the boring suburbs. God's going to use you for his mission even in the boring suburbs, even in an apartment complex, even in a place with no trees, right? He can use you in a jungle. He can use you in the suburbs. God wants to use you. We should have a missional joy in God moving us, whether it's on purpose or whether it's accidental, right? Whether we're the leader saying, God wants us to do this thing. I know it, and we're trying to call other people to it, or we're the person, you know, cast lots, the lottery. Oh, I just got picked to move. Okay, you know? I mean, we, we live in both experiences. Some of you feel like you just pulled your ping pong ball and got told to move. Others of you, you have this passion, driving, burning desire to move. You're that leader that moves there first. So I don't know which you are, but we should have a missional joy in moving either way. Saying God wants to use me in this new place or in this old place. The next thing that we see in the text is joy in congregating. You like that word? Joy in congregating. Um, God's people have always been a congregating people. God's people have always been a people that come together, that gather, and that celebrate who God is and what God is doing in the world. Um, There are a lot of blogs today, a lot of Christian books today that like to complain about the congregating side of the Christian faith. And what I want you to understand is that they do that because often Christians in the West congregate without scattering. And so what I would argue is God's people have always been called to do both. We congregate and we scatter. Um, We come together, the word is taught, God is honored, we practice things symbolically. In the Old Testament they had the sacrifices, today we have the sacraments. We do things to remember the Lord's presence with us and his grace to us and our need for him to sustain us. Uh, We celebrate by singing, we sing God's word to each other and back to him, we pray. God's people have always done that, God's people will always do that. We also need to scatter as well, 
And that's what a lot of the, the blogs and the articles and the things that, that kind of push back against, well, you know, just gathering in church is not enough. That's true. We need to live our faith every day. We need to live our faith every day. But we also don't want to apologize for congregating. It's just something God's always done. And it helps us as a people to have an identity. It helps us to celebrate God's goodness to us. It helps us to sing um, and rejoice publicly. Look at verse 22. Um, it says in verse 22, the overseer of the Levites in Jerusalem was Uzi, the son of Bani, son of Hashabiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micah, the sons of Asaph, the singers over the work of the house of God. For there was a, com- a command from the king concerning them and a fixed provision for the singers as every day required. What I want you to fix on there is that fixed provision. It's this idea of this set pattern. Um, some people believe this is talking about the money that was set aside to um, allow the singers to do their work, right, to support them. But a lot of commentators would say, no, this is really talking about there's a fixed pattern of regular worship because they were leading what was happening. So either way, we have the idea of there was a fixed effort to congregate and have singers purposely come together to lead the people of God in congregating and celebrating who God is. Um, If you skip down to verse 24, it says, uh, sorry, now chapter 12. I skipped a whole bunch. Skip a whole chapter. I'm trying to speed through the text and skip most of the names here. So in 24, 12, 24, and the chiefs of the Levites, Hashabiah, Sherebiah, and Jeshua, the son of Cadmiel, with their brothers who stood opposite them to praise and to give thanks according to the commandment of David, the man of God, watch by watch. So they're describing how they gave praise to God. They sang, they offered worship services. They congregated in a regular pattern, watch by watch. It's like hour by hour, shift by shift. It's, it's going on and going on and going on, and it's regular and it's planned and it's purposeful. And then if we skip down again to verse 27, it says in verse 27, and at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And so here again, we see the congregating that's happening. This would have been for a special dedication of the mission accomplished. So before, he was talking about the fixed pattern. There were people that lived there. There were, there were kind of full-time staff. And then now we're looking at the part-time staff. There were Levites who were assistants to the ministry of the priests, and they were scattered out in the towns, and they would come in seasonally to help for kind of like the big worship conferences, the things like this when the temple and the work and the rebuilding of the wall was dedicated. And so we have all different levels of people, some that are there every day, some that live in the city, some that live in the suburbs, Here we're talking about the guys out in the suburbs coming in to help sing and to help celebrate and to help congregate. I love that word. I hope you're as pleased with that word as I am. Um, Verse 30, I really struggled over that one. Verse 30, and the priests and the Levites purified themselves and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Verse 31, then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the dung gate. Um, and then he's going to go on and describe you know, the movement and go into some details and who the guys were that were involved. But I'm going to skip down to verse 40, which we read earlier. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God, and I and half of the officials with me. And I'm going to skip down to verse 43 again that we read before, and it says, And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. 
for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a picture here of, of kind of what happened. Three, three pieces we just read. I was skipping around, so it might be hard to follow. Um, they purified themselves. So we know this was a sacrificial ritual. So today, uh, our purification rests in the cross of Christ. Right? Today, our, our purification rests in looking back at the details of the full fruit of everything that was symbolized here has now come to reality in Jesus. So Hebrews tells us um, that these sacrifices pointed forward to a Jesus that hadn't come yet. And now we know the full story, so we're looking back and we see the reality of Jesus has come and he died on the cross to pay for my sins. He was the perfect lamb. He was the spotless sacrifice. He was the one that absorbed the wrath of God and he's the one that gives me his perfect righteousness. So what I want you to understand today is that we may not take part in these purification uh, ceremonies any longer, but if you know Jesus by faith in him, you can stand pure before him. And so I want you to understand that, that you have this great privilege of talking to God, of coming into his presence, of walking with him, of saying no to sin now because your sins are forgiven and Jesus broke the power that sin has over us through his death and resurrection. You now have a choice to say no to those sins that have been enslaving you. You can trust God, know that he loves you, know that he delights in you, and walk in freedom. And so this purification that they knew in the sense of symbolism we know in a greater sense of reality now that i want to just plead with you to take advantage of to enjoy to rest in to trust and that's going to look like a people who rejoice in what god's doing in the world who pray who trust him who walk with him who look different because we know we're pure in his sight the other thing that we see here is these great choirs that are set up and these choirs uh, they gave us the procession here where they marched all around the city and then they joined in the house of God. So I was thinking of the Aggie marching band when I saw this picture in the text. Um, that's the biggest, like the biggest kind of uh, singing, music, congregating, marching around thing I could think of. Y'all might think of some other example of what this looks like in our culture. We don't do this a lot in our culture, right? I think another example might be a parade. Um, I'm not a fan of parades. I, I'm not even really a fan of marching bands, to tell you the truth. But there's just something to this organized, we're going to make a show right? We're going to make a big show. We're going to make a big noise. And they're going off in different directions. It's planned. It's coordinated. And they meet together then in the temple of the house of God. So it's a great marching band, parade, celebration, congregating, singing, and it could be heard from far away. Any of you ever lived next to like a racetrack or a football stadium or a concert hall in you could hear it when things were happening, like down the street, far away. Have you, raise your hand if you have. Okay. We lived probably a full mile from a soccer field one time, and it was so weird. Just on those nights, you could hear it, right? I mean, you could hear what was happening at the soccer field. Um, and so you've, you, may, you may know this experience, and that's what they're saying here in verse 43. They said they rejoiced, they had joy, they rejoiced, they had joy, they had joy, they rejoiced, and it could be hard, heard far away, right? And so we have this repetition of joy, and that joy was, it was going out. So again, what I want you to see here is, should we be a scattered people who infiltrate every little crack and corner of our society? Yes. Should we also congregate and celebrate loudly to God's greatness and our joy in Him? Yes. We should do both. God's people have always been a people who do both. Um, what I want you to see 
in the congregating and the celebrating of who God is, in the Old Testament as well as the New, there were always truths that were sung, uh, symbolized, and taught, right? We do that today in different ways, but we still sing, teach, and symbolize the truths of the gospel. That God made all things good, that we have fallen into sin and wandered from him, but he's come after us, he's pursued us, and he brings us back to himself. And so when we congregate, just as when they congregated, we still do these same things. We don't do it just for the fun, we don't do it just for the noise, but we're teaching ourselves and we're teaching the world something in the process. We're celebrating the mission of God. The last thing that we see is joy in resourcing. We see a joy in resourcing. If you look at verse 44 then, 1244 says, On that day men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather into them the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. I love that. I just want you to hear that. So they're saying, we had storerooms set up. We had bank accounts. We had systems in place for the gathering of resources, grain and money uh, and whatever these resources were to, to propagate, to move forward the teaching of the Word of God, the singing of the Word of God, the symbolizing of God's work in the world through the sacrificial system here. So all of this work that they're doing to communicate who God is to the world, to broadcast who God is to the world, they're resourcing it. And they have intricate systems to set up this resourcing. And it says it's because of their joy. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. It's because of their joy. There's a joy in resourcing these things. Verse 45, And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel, in the days of Zerubbabel and the days of Nehemiah, gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, and they set apart that which was for the Levites. And the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. They set apart what was needed to make this happen. Uh, so just big picture, you know, in the details, it was... It was first fruits, it was tithes, it was grain, it was cows, it was uh, doves. You know, I mean, there were, there were details of how they did this. There were Levites out in the towns, there were Levites in the city. You know, they had this whole network worked out. But what I want you to key on is that they purposefully set aside resources to be committed to what God is doing here in the world. They purposefully set these things aside. They were purposefully rejoicing and who God was, and he wanted them to be a part of what he was doing in the world. And they were responding in joy with their resources. Um, what I want you to, to think about uh, is how are you rejoicing in the resources that God has given you and how those resources can be used for the mission of God in the world. How are you doing that? We talked last week about how we said um, that might primarily come through the local church, but we have great freedom as God's people to see God at work in this other church, in this other place, and say, I want to be a part of resourcing that. And we get to be a part of that. A lot of us sponsor missionaries or kids with Compassion International. Or you might, um, I've, I've had friends in other churches and I've given towards their churches. Can you believe that? I'm a pastor at church. I'll, I might give towards other churches because I want to see the, the mission of God propagated in the world. So what are your resources 
uh, and besides money that you're giving, it might be time, right? Like you might be really good at something that, that we need um, for the mission of God here at Grace Bible Church or your neighbor needs. You, you might be really talented in certain ways. What are those resources that you have that God has given you and how are you using those? How are you rejoicing in them? I have a picture here of a to-do list uh, and what I want to key on is how life is full of entropy. Um, life uh, entropy is, you know, this idea in thermodynamics of things kind of naturally decay and fall apart, right? So there's just this natural movement towards breakdown, um, this natural movement in our society of people stealing your time and directing it in some other direction because there's always somebody grabbing at your money and your time, right? So just make a plan. Make a plan. Say, God, thank you for the resources I have and make a plan of, God, how do you want me to use these resources for your glory? And rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. We, we've seen this uh, in 1 Corinthians. It says, Paul says, set aside um, your resources at the first of the week so there doesn't need to be a collection. Right? Paul's idea is we shouldn't need to go bang on your door to get the resources we need. You should set that aside by your own initiative. And that's how, how we do things here at Grace Bible Church. We have a box. Uh, we don't say, go give, go put the money in the box right now. We're going to have a special song and dance until you give more. Okay, now give some more. You know, we, we trust you to set aside and make a plan and have joy in resourcing God's work here. And as I said before, joy in resourcing God's work throughout the world. And I want to reread 2 Corinthians 9, 6 that I read last week, 9, 6, and 7. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So again, we see this beautiful thing in the text in Nehemiah 12. They rejoiced to support what God was doing. They rejoiced in resourcing this. We rejoice. We don't give to get God to love us. We give because we believe God loves us. And so I want to conclude we're thinking about that in Jesus. Jesus had a missional joy. So we can have joy in our mission because first, Jesus had joy in his mission for us. In Romans 12, 2, it says it was for the joy that was before him that he endured the cross, despising its shame. And now he sits down at the right hand of the Father. So because of what Jesus did, his mission, we're caught up in his mission. Because of Jesus' joy in saving us and loving us and redeeming the world, we get to be involved in the daddy's business of saving and loving and seeking others in this world. So I want you to see that. I want you to celebrate that. We're going to take this survey now, which actually is about ways that you might be involved in what God's doing here locally. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and I'll give you a few instructions. The guys are ready to pass those out. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the missional joy you had in pursuing us and saving us and involving us in your work in the world. And I pray that you would use us. I pray that you would be honored. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.